You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Well, hey, friends. Again, we get to do some exciting things today. So I'm going to try to stand where everybody can see me. On the end, can you see me? Yes, this one too? Awesome. All right, I can see all of you. So today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill you in on what we've been talking about. This is our third week on our kingdom series. May your kingdom come. Has anybody been here for that, watching online? Awesome. My friends who have not, this is why there is a castle tower in the tent. Because we have been talking about what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. And within that, this morning, we're going to start a little mini-series in the kingdom of God. Because we have to talk about the character of the kingdom of God. And we're going to start talking about the Beatitudes. So we're going to start that today. Super exciting things happening. So when you think of a kingdom, I'm going to need your help. You can shout out answers. When you think of a kingdom, what do you automatically picture? Shout it out. Castle. 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 Okay, keep yelling because I'm waiting for another one. Knights. Knights, a king. There we go, a king. And swords. No one said a princesses. I love it. Dragons, right? Sometimes there's like a moat and there's a gator, you know, all those things. A prince, a prince. So awesome. You guys have the picture together. Good job. So castle tower, everything there. So usually every story, every kingdom has these five things. So you guys said one of them. Good job. It was a king. There is a ruler over a kingdom because it would be chaos if there wasn't, right? So there's a ruler. And if you have a ruler, there needs to be rules. Yep, that's the second one. That's that's another one. I was thinking followers, but rules work too. So there's going to be rules. That king, that leader, whoever it may be, is going to have rules. Um, I don't know if you were ever principal for a day as a kid. Super exciting. You got to go in with the principal, follow him around, and you got to make up these little cute, silly rules. Like today, no one's tying their shoelaces. I don't know how that would work or... But today, we're having ice cream for lunch. Sounds delicious. But, <laughs> but you would have rules. Okay, I kind of gave you a sneak peek at a third one. What is it? A ruler has followers. Beautiful. So there are people in the kingdom. How sad would it be if it was just you in the castle tower? You're the king of the tower. That, that's, that's real sad, guys. So there's followers. So we have a king. We have the followers. We have the rules. There's another one. It is, let's see if you guys can get this one. It's the, okay, princess. Not every kingdom has a princess. I'm sorry. But um, the, the place in which you reign, right, the space, there's some space there. So you have, right, because you're not just going to stand on this little piece, you have a castle, right? That's the place. So when we talk about how does this translate in the Bible, what, what does this look like to have the kingdom of God? Our ruler, our king is Jesus, God, right? That works. And, and we are the followers. When we say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Thank you so much for your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. Even though I am not perfect and I don't deserve it, thank you for your love. We are the followers. And when we talk about um, the, the rules, the, 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 like the, we're going to follow by these things. What is our rule book? The Bible. Bible. Great job, friends. The Bible. So we have the Bible. It is the true word of God. If someone tries to tell you something that does not match up with the word, you go with the word, right? God's given us this beautiful piece of work that we sometimes don't understand, but he gives us his spirit to help us understand what is in that thing. 
And then also the rain. Where does God reign? Uh, oh, I heard it from my kids. I'm so proud. Where does God reign? Everywhere. His kingdom, right? And when we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about asking God, begging God to bring his kingdom down, right? That's super awesome. So this is, we are in his kingdom. We are his people. This is his reign. And it is a beautiful sight to be together. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, um, I think I caught you up with, with what we talked about first week. And in second week, we talked a little bit about why we do this. And because Jesus has so graciously, so lovingly died on a cross for our sins that we may be saved. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a king worth following to me. So now that you're all caught up, what it means to have your kingdom come. We're asking God to have his reign, his love, his joy, his peace, his way. When we, when we follow his kingdom, we give up our own stuff, right? We say, God, I'm going to lay down this, this stuff, this things that I think the kingdom should be. I think, I think it should be this way. And if I were the ruler, I wouldn't forgive that person because they're horrible. <laughs> that's, that's thankfully not the way it works. God's grace is for everyone. So Jesus came to bring God's kingdom present on earth and to prepare the way for the future kingdom of God's ultimate reign. So God's kingdom is now and yet to come. So as Jesus began his three years of ministry, he declared, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And that's in Matthew 4:17. if you wanted to see that. Matthew 4:17. So soon after these words, Jesus handpicked his 12 disciples and gave them an end of teaching on what it looks like to live in his kingdom. How cool was that to be there with Jesus? But how cool is that that we get the Holy Spirit? Like, that's pretty awesome, too. The, and so what he did is he gathered um, the disciples for what we call a Sermon on the Mount. My adult friends, who knows this Sermon on the Mount stuff? Know a little bit about it? Awesome. So we, he starts talking about what the kingdom of God might actually look like. And as followers, what kind of characteristics do we have? He starts talking about blessings. And so I don't know um, where you were a couple years ago, but there was this thing going around. It was called hashtag blessed. Oh, I just got, I just got, oh, let's see what I got. I got, oh my goodness, I have name brand clothes. I am hashtag blessed. I'm rocking my new clothes. They're just so amazing. Or I got my fancy new car. Hashtag blessed. Oh, it's such a blessing. And we start building our kingdom, right? We start building our kingdom to what we think it will look like. I have some good ones on here. Um, what about money? When, when, when we have good finances, don't we all say that? Oh, we've been blessed to be a blessing. There we go. Somebody, somebody uses that. So we, we talk about our money. Oh, I'm so blessed because I have my money. Or I'm so blessed because my Instagram has, you know, 897 followers. Like I am famous. Hashtag blessed. I'm an influencer. Way to go. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We am successful. Like we say, thank you, God, for our success. But, but how much do we depend on ourselves when we say, oh, I'm, I'm so blessed because I'm successful. No, right? So we build our kingdom to how we think it should go. 
And when, and when Jesus grabs, uh, pulls the disciples together and they're sitting on the sermon, or they're sitting on the mountain, Sermon of the Mount is being created in that moment. And I can only imagine what they must look like. I'm sure there's one over there, like, looking at butterflies or something. One of them's got to be distracted. I'm just saying. And then there's, they're, they're all sitting there, and I can just see their faces, just hungry for more. Like, Jesus, could you tell me more? Jesus, what am I going to learn today? Pour your wisdom into me. Have you ever had that, somebody do that with you? Like, they just wanted you to be their mentor? Like, can you please, can you please just tell me everything you know? Um, I've been that to somebody, to other people. Hey, you need to stay. Um, I don't think it's going to stay. <laughs> All right, so what happens is that in that moment, he starts talking about the characteristic of the kingdom of God, what we should actually look like. And you would think that with these, with these superficial-ish blessings, um, that this is really, good idea, <laughs> this is really our own kingdom, our own kingdom. These are our own ideas of what it may look like. It's getting a little windy in here. But he says the Beatitudes, actually, they begin with a blessing and they end with a reason for that blessing. But when you look at the Beatitudes, when you actually look at what it means to live a blessed life, let me just tell you, it's not that. It's not that at all. Um, if you want to go ahead and start pulling your Bibles out on your phone or wherever it may be, we're going to be looking in the uh, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at what these Beatitudes are in just a few minutes. But what happens is when we really look at what the kingdom of God will look like, it might be, it might surprise us how countercultural it actually is to live this hashtag blessed life, to live out the kingdom of God. It might look a little different than what you would think. So what happens is the Beatitudes describe God's radical reconstruction of the heart, this transformation that takes place. It's beautiful, but it's also painful, right? It takes place in the heart, and it, and it redefines what it looks like to represent his kingdom. It's no casual shift of your attitude, right? It's hard. It's tough. But when you start to look at your own kingdom of what you have created, and you start to compare it with what the word says, guess what? It's a demolition. Sorry, Lisa Hummel. It's a demolition, of yourself, and you're saying, okay, God, take over. I'm ready to live in your kingdom. Let's uh, get our Bibles out and look together with Dimitri as he reads for us the Beatitudes. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dimitri. It is always fun working with Trish because she makes it a place where I can always play with toys and blocks and stuff like that. So thank you, Trish. How many of you guys are smelling that food out there? Everyone ready for the Florida tailgate? Yeah, I believe it. 
But like Trish said, she mentioned that there are a couple of Beatitudes uh, that really just express what Jesus calls his disciples to do as they are getting ready to go out and bring his kingdom into the world. So I'm going to share with you one real quick one, and I'm going to see if I can find the right blocks. Blessed are the, you guys ready for it? Say it after me. Poor in spirit. And what it means to be poor in spirit is to realize that we have something missing. To realize that there is something in our lives that we can't just strive to get on our own. See, so many times we might just, how many of you guys have ever played with Legos? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have ever missed a piece or lost a piece of your Legos? It's the worst. So sometimes we end up missing one of the pieces of what Jesus calls us to. And we might think about the fact that we're only poor. And we try to find the things that we can grab. We try to find the things in life that are going to fill a void in our life. And sometimes that's us finding the right job or having the picture-perfect family or if you're a student, getting into that right school. But eventually we realize that as much as we try to fill that void in our life, there can always be something missing. Or we know that void is missing and sometimes we only focus on doing spiritual things. And we might realize, oh, I need to go to church and I go to church just like we are today and it's great. Or I know how to study the Bible and I know the verses and I memorize different verses and I've got all that figured out. But sometimes what we do is we replace who God is and God's character and God's spirit with just things that appear as spiritual. And so we might think that we have it all figured out and we forget about what it is that we're actually supposed to rely on. But to be poor in spirit is to realize no matter what the world has to offer me, no matter what I'm looking for, no matter the church I'm a part of or the group I'm a part of, that's all great things. But the thing I need above all else is to realize that I'm bankrupt inside because all I need is a connection with God. And I need to lean on his spirit. And when we figure that out, then we're able to realize that everything else in life can be built on bringing God's kingdom. Because we realize no matter what we're missing, the one thing we truly need is that connection with God. And that's what Jesus starts with with this first blessing. And that's what he builds the rest of it on. I'm going to share with, or I'm going to let Pastor Stan share where we go from there. There are many things that we work with when we're working outside that we usually don't, like the wind. Um, thank you, Pastor Trish and Pastor Nick. I'm going to kind of begin to land the plane. Um, what a great team to work with. Can we just thank them for their parts of the message that they brought? Well, I'm going to start uh, my portion of the message, and I promise not to take too long, but I'm going to start my portion of the message with a joke. Is that okay to laugh in church? Um, I, and I have to give credit where credit is due. My uh, grandson, Reed, is learning, uh, he's mastering the art of telling jokes. And so this was a joke he told us this week, and, and it, it's actually pretty good. So are you ready? Okay, this is a joke. Why did the monkey go to the doctor? 
I got it. Why did the monkey go to the doctor? You don't know? Because he wasn't peeling well. <laughs> Get it? A little play on the words, peeling, feeling. I know it's corny, and if there were a drummer up here right now, he would go ba-dum-bum, right? Uh, but but that, 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 that's uh, the reason I tell it, you're thinking, how in the world are you going to connect this? I'm not going to mess with that. How in the world are you going to connect this to the Beatitudes? And I can do it. I got it. Listen, there are uh, a lot of things that cause us not to feel well, right? Uh, we can be sick. Um, a cold, a sore throat, whatever it might be. We might be um, anxious about something and it causes us not to feel well. Have you ever been anxious and it made you not feel good? Yeah. Uh, maybe you're having a problem with one of your friends. Does that ever make you not feel well? It has me in the past. So there are so many things that can make us really not feel well. And we may not go to the doctor for all of those things, but they still can affect how we feel. Um, there's one feeling that a doctor can't take care of, and that's when we mourn. A doctor just really isn't able, I mean, he can try to give you a pill or something, but that's not really going to help mourning. What, is it, what does it mean when we mourn? Well, according to the dictionary, to mourn is to have a, a deep sense of grief over the loss or the disappearance of something. And, you know, Pastor Nick helped us understand the first beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, so they'll, they'll inherit the kingdom of God. Well, uh, the second beatitude is closely, closely connected to it. In fact, you can't understand the second one until you understand the first one. And the second beatitude that Jesus talks about is he says, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, in all honesty, that seems like a really strange thing for Jesus to say. Is, is Jesus actually saying, if you feel sad, if you're feeling mournful about something, then you'll be blessed? Actually, that's really what he's saying. But it's a different kind of mourning. Oftentimes, most often when we think of mourning, we think of the mourning that happens when we grieve the loss of someone that we love dearly, uh, that we've lost to death. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. One of the things that we need to recognize as we walk through the Beatitudes today and over the next couple of weeks is that uh, there's a pattern that Jesus follows as he walks through the Beatitudes, as he presents them. And it looks like this. It's like Jesus says, hey, I want to tell you uh, about a blessing that is available for you. And then he goes on and he describes an attitude that's associated with the blessing. In other words, it's a kingdom value. He's telling about something that we as kingdom citizens, uh, uh, God's children, and, and we've been brought into his kingdom. He's telling us this is an attitude. This is a value that you should own. And then he goes on and he tells the blessing. Well, in the second beatitude, he says, hey, I want to tell you about a blessing that's available to you, but what I want you to know is that the condition uh, or the value or the attitude of this blessing, it's, it's about mourning. And he says, uh, blessed are you who mourn, for you'll be comforted. Is it? That's, that's where it seems strange. You'll be, if you mourn, 
you'll be comforted. But again, this isn't the typical morning that we think of. Jesus is talking about something completely different. This second beatitude isn't about comforting someone who feels sad. Instead, and Jesus does that, right? When we feel sad, Jesus, Jesus comforts us. But instead, in this beatitude, Jesus is talking about a mourning that's a result of our sin and the sin of the world. That's a different kind of mourning. When we would mourn over our sin, when we would mourn over the, uh, the sin of the world. Je- uh, in the first beatitude, Jesus talked about spiritual poverty. And, and, and what he was doing is he was helping us to recognize that within ourselves, we do not have what it takes to be the people that God has called us to be. That's spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty is that we recognize that there has been a sin problem and that sin problem separated us from God and that we are desperately in need for God because of that sin. Well, in the second beatitude, Jesus takes us a little deeper. We recognize the sin problem, the problems that it's caused, and because we recognize it, then we mourn. We mourn over our sin, and we mourn over the sin of the world. In other words, we feel the deepest possible heartfelt grief over sin. Just think about that. Jesus is saying that we need to feel the deepest possible heartfelt grief because of sin. And it means that when we consider the cross and we begin to understand the price that Jesus paid on the cross because of our sin, we should not help but feel anything but sorrow and regret and remorse because our sin sent him to the cross. As kingdom citizens, this is the attitude that Jesus is calling us to choose, that we would recognize the sin problem and then we would mourn over that problem. We wouldn't be insensitive. We wouldn't be um, hardened and callous to it, but there would be something happening in our heart. So, so what is it that happens in our hearts when we mourn over sin? What's taking place in us? Well, when, when we're truly mournful over sin, um, repentance happens. When we recognize the sin problem and then we begin to mourn over that sin, something happens inside and we repent. It means that we've been walking in the wrong direction. We've been walking away from God. And then something happens because the Holy Spirit is working in us. And we say, I've been walking away from God, but something's going on in my heart. And so we turn and we walk back in the right direction towards God. And that's exactly what repentance is. And then... When we're mournful over sin, not only do we repent, but we become willing and even courageous to ask the Holy Spirit to help us look within and to say, what's really going on in my heart? What's the heart problem here? And then we trust that the Holy Spirit will help us see those things, the heart problem. And then we ask him, Holy Spirit, will you help me change? Will you help me change? I don't, I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't want those heart problems. That's, I don't want whatever is the root. I don't want that. And so I'm asking that you, you help me become different. And that's where the comfort comes in. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. We know that the Holy Spirit 
comes alongside of us. That was the promise of Jesus when saying that the Holy Spirit would come. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and comforts us in our sin to say, you're not guilty because of my blood. And you don't have to live in the shame of that sin. You don't have to bear the burden of that sin. You are forgiven of that sin. That's the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings. And so what we see as we're walking through the Beatitudes is that Jesus is calling for a radical reconstruction of the heart. And in that reconstruction, we recognize that there's an attitude shift, and it's not a casual attitude shift. It's a radical change where the old is gone because we're submitting ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit and the new comes and it's only the Holy Spirit who can oversee that construction. We cannot do it on our own. Holy Spirit, will you help me change? And so this morning, I want to ask every one of us to consider when's the last time you truly mourned over sin when's the last time you truly mourned over sin when's the last time that you mourned over the sin of the world have you become insensitive have you become callous have you become accepted? Have you become tolerant? And if that's the case, are you willing to allow that radical transformation to take place in you? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit break your heart over sin, your sin and the sin of the world? Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to do that radical reconstruction within? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I want you to consider that for just a moment, that radical transformation. As you consider, when's the last time I mourned over sin? Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And uh, we know that the Holy Spirit helps us search our heart. And, and, and this morning, I, I ask that we would have a wake-up call and that we would no longer be insensitive or callous to sin, accepting, but instead we would be broken in our hearts and we would have a deep sense of grief, heartfelt grief because of sin. But I also pray that we would also receive the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit. No guilt, no shame. Thank you, Father. I pray that you work that in us right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I also want to take opportunity to do something that I do every week, and I certainly wouldn't pass it up this week. Perhaps you're here today and you've never actually said yes to Jesus. 
you've never really entered into a relationship. You've never taken the time to consider how your sin has separated you from God and even hardened your heart towards God. But something's happening in you today and you want to make a change. And that change can only come through Jesus. We've said it all throughout the service. But Jesus willingly came from heaven to earth. He made a journey to the cross, and on the cross, he took our place. He carried our sin to the cross. His body was broken, his blood was shed, and it was through the shedding of that blood that he purchased our freedom so that we could no longer be in slavery to the bondage of sin, but we could live with the comfort of the Holy Spirit forgiven. Today, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, this is your opportunity. And so I'm going to ask right now that if that's you and there's something happening in your heart, that you would just um, lift up your hand and let your eye catch my eye and say, today, I, I want to make a change. I want that radical reconstruction. I, I say yes to Jesus today. Is there anybody here as I just look around the room? Anybody at all, just raise up your hand if you want to say yes to Jesus today. I see a hand right over here. I'm just going to pause and I'm just going to continue to look around the room. Is there anybody here and you say yes to Jesus today for the first time? Would you pray this prayer with me as we pray with this one who has raised her hand? Heavenly Father, today I confess my need for you. I ask you, Jesus, to take residence in me as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me for my sin. I commit my life to you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you join me in just offering applause to the Lord for salvation in this place? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.